What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Woke up this morning, hopped out of my bed. Only good things running through my head, yeah. Life is good today, everything going my way. Breeze flying the sky. Hey y'all, it is your girl Miss Yak back with another episode of Girl Talk with Miss Yak. And tonight I have another special guest, Miss Vanya Barrick. Now, let me tell y'all a little bit about my girl here, all right? Because she's been through some things, okay? Now, coming from a war-torn country as a refugee to Australia at 11 years old, she has experienced hardship, abuse, and had very limiting beliefs. She's now a counselor who helps others work through their own pain and hardship. She's an entrepreneur who wants to empower women that no matter what your past is, you get to choose your future. Her philosophy is understanding yourself and healing your wounds and will give you a deep freedom by doing so. Love and abundance you never knew possible is right at your fingertips. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and bring on in Miss Vanya Varick. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, of course. Now, I mean, you your bio here, you got a lot, a lot, a lot to, to unravel in this this big little bitty package here. You know, fleeing a, a worn torn country. So what what country did you flee from? Yugoslavia. I was five when the war started and it was I was eleven um, when we moved to Australia. So the war went on for about five years and it took us a bit of time to make the move to Australia. Wow. Wow. So goodness gracious. So living during in a war-torn country for so long and at a young age, that obviously had to influence who you became and when you moved to Australia, because this is so completely different going from a war-torn country to Australia, right? So what right. was that like? What was that transition like for you? Yeah. Um, so it's quite interesting. Um, and I didn't quite realize this and put this together until I started telling my story that while I was in, in Yugoslavia, it doesn't it didn't feel like there was obviously I, I knew something was going on and I was very young and my my parents did the best they could to shield me and protect me. Um but I didn't quite realize what was going on. I didn't quite, um, that you know, it kind of didn't seem like a, that big of a deal, you know. It, to us, it was normal life because everyone around us was experiencing the same thing. Uh, and back then, you know, in the 90s, there was no, um, I don't think there was even internet. If there was internet, you know, not to this, um, not to this level and certainly right. not in a you know, war-torn country, you know, there's, 
was barely water, let alone internet. Um, so to us, it was just kind of normal. It was everyday life. It was interesting when I moved to Australia and when I was completely safe in terms of our life being in danger, you know, we didn't have to be in survival mode anymore. Right. That's when I saw, started seeing the side effects of everything that has happened um, and how it started influencing my life. And it wasn't until I kind of put the weapons down, they were like, oh, oh, now, now here comes the real thing. You know, this right. is now interesting what comes after this. Uh, and I see that a lot with that, with clients as well. You go through something traumatic or something happens. Um, and in that moment you survive, you get through it, but it's sort of, once you come out of it, you're like, well, you know, it's, it's a whole other level to work through it, to get through. Wow. Wow. So, because, yeah, cause you experiencing it so young, it seemed normal to you. Hmm, yeah. Right. Cause I mean, children, we have very little memories before five, before the age of five. So for you growing up during that time, it just, hey, this is just life. This is just what I have to do. You know, you didn't know anything different. So, yeah, that could be, I can imagine that was a pretty drastic change going from being living in danger to having freedoms, you know, to be able to walk the street with, you know, without being in fear. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So going, going from that, and then you also experienced abuse as well. Yes, and um. It kind of, um, it's, it's interesting because when we think about war, we obviously think about, um, you know, in, in what's happening in the world now, we obviously think about things like um, people losing their home, people losing their lives and things like that. But, you know, there's a lot more to it. There's, uh, you know, for example, things like um, we didn't have, you, you know, we only had running water for about two days a week, you know, that, that, those kind of things, uh, you know, and parents do what they can to survive. Mm -hmm. um, because there is no food, there is no jobs, there's nothing is operating. Um, so, and, and with that comes, you know, your child is then, you know, respond, you know, someone else is looking after it, or, you know, it's kind of like a, everybody in the community gets together and looks after it. And sometimes the children, especially the young ones, they get neglected. And then that leads to its own problems and to its own issues. Mm -hmm. um, to deal with later in life. And I experienced physical, sexual abuse throughout that time and even coming to Australia for a little bit. Um, you know, those things kind of followed me around. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, um, thinking about it now, there's so many components to it that we don't realize and we don't see. Um, when, when we talk about war or when we talk about abuse or, or um, you know, anything, anything traumatic. So when you're coming from that and, you know, kind of getting into, you know, your new normal, so mm -hmm. to speak, what were some of the issues that you had to try to overcome to be able to adapt to living in Australia? Yeah. So it was certainly like one of the biggest things that sort of hit us were the cultural issues, of course, uh, you know, um, and, and then coming from a space of living in um, in survival mode and living in you know constant fear, as you said, to now feeling freedom. It was interesting when I was um, in Yugoslavia. Like we had, a, I mean, um, obviously you know it was active war and there was a lot of things to worry about. But we had freedom as kids. We we're able to go outside and play, but we knew the rules in terms of you know because there was a lot of mines buried everywhere. So. You know, we knew the rules. If we see something, what you know, what are we meant to do, and things like that. But when we came to Australia, 
um, my par our parents, because I have two older siblings, they wouldn't let us out of the house for about, I think, like two weeks or something like that, because they were so afraid. They were still living in that fear mode, wow. even though it was perfectly safe. Uh, so, and those are the kind of, um, that was the adjustment, you know, that we needed to make that, okay, like, I am no longer in danger. I'm safe now. Mm -hmm. I can I can let go. I can maybe put down my weapons. Um, and that's when you stop being in survival mode that I guess then the side effects start coming of everything that you've been through. And that's what I had a lot of trouble adjusting to as well. Um, always feeling like there's something not quite right or not quite normal. Or I was always behind everyone else and not quite understanding it, what it is and what it meant. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I went through my own therapy that I understood how trauma impacts the brain, how it impacts the body, that I could uh, understand, oh, okay, that's why I was, you know, so bad at concentrating. That's why I was, you know, always kind of falling asleep and things like that, you know. That sort of, um, I understood that later on. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to become a counsellor is to serve other people and help other people the way someone helped me when I needed it. Wow. So in hindsight, thinking about that little girl, that little girl who grew up in that war torn country, right? Who was she? How would you describe her? Mm. She had, I think she had freedom, which is interesting thing to say, considering where she lived. Um, she had freedom, but she was very afraid. She had freedom to move, but she was very afraid and very um, tamed, or, or you know, people were trying to tame her. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's I think how I would describe her. Wow. And so, when you moved to Australia, and at, at what point in time did you realize, okay, I need help. I need somebody to talk to. Yeah, so I was in my early 20s, um, and so as I said, I had a lot of, you know, um, side effects. I had, um, so one of the, the, the big side effects then, and it was only when I sort of moved out of high school um, and, and went into the, the um, started working and things like that, that I noticed that um, any time a male would raise their voice, I would just start to cry. And oh, wow. I, it wouldn't be like a tear shedding down, it would be like a full-blown cry. Now, this was very, very embarrassing if this would happen at work in a meeting. Wow. Because there would be 10 other people, and it, you know, and it would have to be that he was yelling. It was just, you know, he would raise his tone of voice because he was excited and he wanted to point something out, you know, mm -hmm. as our voice fluctuates. Um, and then and that sort of took me back. I was like, wait, nobody else is doing this. Why am I doing this? That's what I meant. Like, I always felt like I wasn't on the same level playing field as everyone else. You know, everyone else... We're all in the same race, but everyone else was miles ahead and I was trying to catch up. Right. And so I was, you know, stay in the race. Um, and we have to do this um, uh, in this particular industry that I was in, we have to do this uh, working with children, um, uh, like a seminar thing. Um, and in this seminar, uh, it, you know, there was a lady talking about how she experienced abuse as a child and how she never told anyone. And I found I related to that because I never told anyone, mm. not at this point. Um, and she was, you know, she said that 
you know, even in, in her relationship, um, and when she had children, she found that still followed her around, you know, that feeling and that fear and everything that she went through, it still followed her around. But up to that point in my head, I thought, like, I, I'm living through this now, I'm living through this nightmare now, but when I get married and when I have my own kids, like, I won't have to live through this, you know? Right. Like, everything will be, be changed, everything will be perfect when I, you know, uh, when I have that good job or when I get married or when I have my own kids. And then this lady was, you know, she was raining on my parade because I had this plan and she was telling me that, you know, the plan isn't working, it's not going to work. <laughs> and I was like, wow, so I need to start dealing with it. And it was like, like a, I don't know, um, in a second thought, a split second thought, and it was like, I need to start dealing with this now. It's not going to go away. Something mm -hmm. happening on the outside is not going to make it go away. And I think it was literally that day that I started Googling for a therapist. <laughs> oh, wow. Goodness gracious. So for you, well, now you're going through, let's rewind to when you started going through therapy, right? At some point in time, I'm sure you struggled with just believing in yourself, believing in your ability to overcome all of these obstacles and be able to be normal, so to speak, yes. you know, like everybody else. So what were some of the self-beliefs that you had, to, that you struggled with overcoming? Oh, um, so many. I think one of the, like the big ones that stand out is people pleasing. Um, that was a big one and a big one I had to let go. So with people pleasing, obviously comes lack of boundaries. Um, one of the big, so, and you know, that I'm still working on, on different levels but you know every day am i am i worthy am i worthy of love and um having the beliefs of what love is and what healthy love is um and so those are the things that i i think that i really really um struggled with um i had a lot of anger i had a lot of um pent-up pain um and it would either come out through hoping to get love through people pleasing um through saying yes all the time or it would come out through um just outbursts of anger it was kind of so what did you characterize the the reasoning behind all of your pent-up anger oh it was always someone else it was all like in that moment while it was happening and before i started going to therapy and and understood the um the view of responsibility and the view of healing and you know what role i played in it and what role my past played in it and my feelings it was always i mean you know you could ask me in that moment what happened there and i could tell you exactly what happened it was that person did that and that and that and that's what set me off and it was obviously them you know and the story that you would hear, you know, it would be, it would sound like, okay, well, they're definitely in the fault, you know, so, yeah. you know, so my anger was always justified by something that someone's done. So why do you think that is? Because it sounds like you struggled with taking ownership of your own actions as well. So yes, why, why do you think you were always pointing the finger at everybody else? Because it was, it was, what was, what I was, I certainly, um, for people who don't have that type of mentality of self-growth, 
Um, and I hear this often in my clients for people who don't have that type of mentality of self-growth or self-healing. Um, you hear often in a relationship, you know, they did this and that's why, you know, I'm mad at them or, you know, it's, it's, so we're always shifting the blame. And if I am shifting the blame at someone else, I never have to look at me. Mm -hmm. And I am desperately trying to prove to the world that I am enough. And if I don't have to look at me, then I'm trying, then I'm sort of tricking myself into believing that I am enough because it's not me, it's everyone else. Right, right. So you've basically taken everything that you've learned, everything that you've been through and everything you've learned through therapy and whatnot, and you've kind of turned it around and made it into your own lucrative business. Yes, yeah. So what do you do in your practice? How do you take women who have been in similar situations and help them overcome the same obstacles? Yeah. So we start by creating awareness. And I think that's the most important thing. So creating that shift from it's someone else and thinking, start thinking about that responsibility. Start thinking about um, what you are for, you know, what I'm feeling, what are, you know, okay. So, you know, they did something to piss you off, but what, what, you know, what went through your head, what went through your body, what was the feelings that you had mm -hmm. um, and sort of um, helping them understand what is going on inside their head, inside their brains and how a body reacts and how chemicals react and our nervous system reacts when we are in a situation that we believe is um, any type of threat or danger. And it doesn't mean, you know, um, threat or danger that it's, you know, to our lives. It could simply mean, you know, um, for me, like, you know, someone raised their voice. It, I wasn't in any danger, you know, but mm -hmm. it, for me, it triggered something. So uh, my brain and my body had a certain reaction. So creating awareness around that reaction can help us then deal with whatever it is we're going to starting point for us to start peeling back the layers and seeing what is actually going on. Why, why are you responding the way you're responding? And is finding the wound wherever it sits and then healing that wound. And that is what worked for me. That has, has worked for so many women that I work with. Um, and that's when you can kind of let go. So now I can talk about this, mm -hmm. all of this, and, it, you know, I don't have any particular emotions attached to it. But I certainly certainly couldn't talk about this, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and it's so, you know, and that's sort of that healing of wound and you let go of the emotion, you let go of the pain. And it's now just the story that has happened to you. You know, it doesn't, it no longer controls your life. Right. Now, have you ever encountered an individual who just couldn't let go? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, that, and, that, and that's okay, too. They're just not ready to let go. And they're not in that space yet. Uh, absolutely. I've worked with individuals who um, would talk about taking responsibility, but every time they just this person did that. So, and that's step one is taking responsibility, not even taking responsibility, but creating awareness of what is actually happening with your body and what is actually happening, you know, in, inside your head and things like that. Um, and they just don't want to go there. They're mm -hmm. quite happy to stay in this, you know, um, let me 
project it out. Let me, you know, I have this shield and everything just bounces off and, you know, bounce it off to someone else and it means I never have to look inside. Um, and when we're doing that, we are at mercy to other people because it's other people get to decide how we're feeling. Other people get to decide if we're worthy. Other people get to be, decide whether we can do something or we can't. Right. Because we, you know, uh, it's never our fault, so we can't possibly. So if it's never our fault, and it's not even our fault, if it's if there is nothing we can do about the situation, then that we don't, we can't decide, we can't improve. There, there is nothing we can do, and that makes uh, leaves us helpless. But if we're looking at every situation, is even the most horrible ones. What can I do? How can I think differently? How can I be at peace with whatever it is is happening or whatever has happened? Then now, that's where the power is. Yeah, I, I like how you know you you. I always go back to the whole self-reflection aspect of it um, because there are situations where, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. You just mm. in the wrong place at the, at the wrong time. But there are other situations where, you know, you may have played a part in the escalation of a scenario and whatnot. And as individuals, we have to be able to get to the point where we can self-reflect and be like, you know what? I probably could have handled that a little bit better. Yes. Right. And a lot of us, uh, you know, people, we don't want to accept that because we have this mentality that I can do no wrong. I'm always right. And yes. what I said is what I said. And you'll just have to deal with it. Yes. Right. But that really is not realistic because yes. there are consequences to every action. Right. Yes. Yes. And so I like to tell people, like, for example, when I talk to uh, people, my, my friends and family and whatnot. And I tell them, and even my son, and I have two teenagers. I have a, a, a daughter and a son. And I mm -hmm. tell them as well, I'm like, you know what? I'm not always going to like what you have to tell me, but that is my right as your parent. I don't have to like everything that you tell me and you don't have to like everything that I tell you either. But if you tell me something that upsets me, I have a right to my feelings. Yes. Yeah. And, and you have to be, and I tell my son, I said, you have to be man enough because he's, he's almost 17. And I said, you mm -hmm. have to be man enough to accept my feelings and deal with it. You can't yes. get mad and walk away. I have a right to my feelings. You have to be willing to sit there and accept those consequences of my feelings. And I tell mm -hmm. my daughter the same thing, right? We can't just spew off at the mouth how we feel with no disregard about how the other person feels. Yes, yeah, I love that. Um, right, and, and but at the same time, we must, we have to take ownership of our own feelings and understanding of our reactions. And um, was it, not so much was it necessary, the, the, um, the example that I always give, and everybody has something that they like about themselves. You know, and it's something that, you know, um, it could be your hair or your earrings or something, you know, that you just love and it feels right to you. And it just, you know, you feel great when you either put it on or when you think about it and things like that. Mm -hmm. And if I was someone like you and say, you know, I really don't like your earrings. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that you love about yourself. And it's certainly something that I love about myself. 
that doesn't mean much to me if you say you don't like it or if I say it to you because you feel very confident, very grounded in your like for these earrings, for your choice for these earrings or, you know, whatever it right. is you feel. You feel grounded. So my judgment, my dislike doesn't affect you. Mm -hmm. Even, if, you know, but if I, if you have something that you're not grounded in and if you're not, you don't feel secure in, in and so you don't have that self, so that belief about, that's when we start um, reacting from pain and from emotions mm -hmm. because we ourselves are not sure. So anytime anyone pokes at us, we're easy to move. Yeah. You're right. And, so, and that's where we then can kind of go, oh, I reacted to that. Was that out of because what was happening? Actually, even whatever was happening on the outside, let me first see if there is anything inside me that, you know, let me understand what am I reacting from. Mm -hmm. and, um, my daughter, you know, breaks something. Let me understand. And my, I have a three-year-old. So it's, you know, for her to break something is like every day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let, and if I have a reaction, let me understand why is that, you know, why did I have that reaction? Let me understand um, why, you know, is it attachment to the object? Is it, you know, that she's going to hurt herself? Am yeah. I walking on eggshells thinking that she's constantly going to hurt herself? What is, where is that coming from? You know, it's always kind of digging deep and asking those deep questions of why to really understand where you, our reactions are coming from is so powerful because once we have that understanding and once we employ it in our life, we have this sense of freedom that I was, um, that you mentioned earlier because we're no longer controlled by our emotions. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Wow. So I, I wonder, like, what kind of insecurities did you have, you know, as a result of your past trauma? So, so many. Um, I think, in all honesty, I just had, I had absolutely no belief in myself. I didn't believe that I could do anything. I didn't believe that um, I was worthy of, of love. And um, if I had any, any type of love, I would just cling to it because it felt like a, a lifeline um and i didn't believe that i was really capable of, of doing anything you know um i was just so reserved with everything so um and that you know when it, working through it when it all come came down to it is it, it was i just had no belief that i was worthy i had just no belief that i was enough in anything that i was uh, pretty enough smart enough uh, you know, just basically mm -hmm. not enough. And I was trying to find that fulfillment in the outside world wherever I could to try and kind of prove to the world and maybe to myself, you know, and it was kind of like when I get married, right. then I'll feel love. When I um, finish my school, you know, and when, when I get that, you know, high degree or a high a grade, then I'll be enough, you know. And then when I do this and when I get an amazing job, then I'll be enough. And each time I just, it was just, you know. Yeah, it, it just wasn't, wasn't enough. 
it just wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. And that means I wasn't enough. And because I was allowing other people and other people's opinion to determine when it was enough. Wow. It wasn't for me. It was, you know, if somebody else loved me, that means I was lovable. If somebody else approved, that means I did good. If, you know, if somebody else um, cared, that means I was possibly enough then. And again, it was my own interpretation. Of course, my parents cared and my siblings and things like that. But it was my own interpretation of what love is and what care is and what um, being enough was. Mm. And that's um, and that's where I was never enough. Wow. So Vanya, if for the viewers that are out there watching, so my viewers and my listeners, um, if you tune into my YouTube channel, you can see that at this moment, I actually have the link to her YouTube channel is listed below right there. So you guys can go ahead and check her out, uh, look at her videos and, and see how she can help you. Now, Vanya, for my viewers that are currently watching on the, this show, uh, can you tell them what is something, what, what, what would you say to the little girl, the little boy who's watching right now? What's one thing of encouragement, one word of encouragement uh, that you would give to them right now to motivate them today? Mm, you are enough and you are worthy. Mm. If we can all start feeling like we are enough and like we're worthy, it, it would be, we would live in a different place. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of the violence, a lot of the hate, a lot of the whatever is happening in the world comes from people believing that they are not enough or not worthy or not loved or whatever it is and trying desperately to prove to the world. You know, those people that you see that are power hungry, they're just trying, you know, they're not mm -hmm. hungry for power, they're hungry for love. Yeah. And they just think the way to make it is by making billions or the way to make it is by, you know, um, I don't even know, you know, creating wars or, um, and they, there's so much pain inside them. If I get my revenge, you know, it's, and it's kind of like us as well. If um, if I hurt you, then possibly I might hurt less. Yeah, yeah. And wow. that that never happens. It never works. And so, to anyone listening, you are enough and you are worthy, just as you are. And sometimes we might have to do some work to help us believe that. But there is no scenario where someone isn't worthy of love or someone isn't enough just as they are. We, you know, it's just about working through so you believe it as well. Wow. Wow. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up my friends because that is all we have time for uh tonight so i'm i'm sorry we could go on and on and on you guys she has a youtube channel you can find her on instagram and facebook as well go ahead and check her out uh get some more information on, on vanya um, she's got a lot of experience here that she could probably help you guys out with as well uh, thank you all for watching and listening as always, be sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And as always, 
Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, I'll see you later. Thank you.